The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning. I've heard a rumor, Brett Vanderzee, if you'll uh, come on down here real quick. I've heard a rumor that there's a birthday today. It's, it's not often that you get to embarrass and honor at the same time your co-preacher and one of your ministers. So join me. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Brad. Happy birthday to you. All right. Oh, Brett, you're preaching today. Come on, that's a surprise. That's a horrible birthday surprise. <laughs> Next week is trunk or treat. Yes. And all the dentists and all of America said yes next week. Uh, next Sunday night, 5.30 to 8 p.m., out in the parking lot in the gym. And so uh, we want you guys to join us. Also, if you're still interested in hosting, having your trunk open and participating, go on, go on the website, uh, the Springs website, and you can sign up. So that's next Sunday night. We want to invite everybody to come out for Trunk or Treat. We've been in Luke, and our sermon series called The Spirit-Powered Gospel. And today our text is in Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. If you join me in the reading of God's word. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come and help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. God, for your word, as always, we give you thanks. And as always, our prayer this morning, as we approach you and your word, give us ears to hear. And more importantly, give us hearts and lives to follow. And God, I ask for the gift of preaching today. In the name of of Jesus, your word to us. Amen. So, by this time yesterday, so 24 hours ago, I just got back from Brazil, believe it or not. Yeah. I flew Friday night from Sao Paulo to Dallas, and I didn't sleep much. The whole plane ride, it 
bounced the whole way. Not like scary turbulence, but enough to keep you awake. And if you've got long legs like mine that hit the back of the seat, you feel like you're in, you know, a sardine can. Plus, it bounces all night. I didn't sleep. But one of the things, the reason that I went to Brazil is we took a group of three OC students and three OC alums to look at the city of Foz de Iguaçu, which is in the southern part of Brazil. And we spent about nine days there, actually probably about seven days there. We spent two days in Curitiba, which is on the coast, visiting a church. And then we spent about seven days in Foz de Iguaçu. And what we did while we were there is we were looking and showing these three OC students and three alumni. We were kind of doing some research on this town and, and kind of asking them the question, is God calling you here? Is God calling you to plant a church in Foz de Iguaçu? But one of the blessings that I got while we were there, the interesting thing about Foz, well, there's several interesting things, but one, it sits right on the border between Argentina and Paraguay. In fact, there's a spot, here's a picture. I didn't take this picture, but it's a better picture than I had. That you can go, I was on the Brazil side, and you can go up to that point where you see that little brown uh, building, and you could stand and you could look over the Iguazu and the uh, Paraná River, and you could look on one side to Argentina, and you could look on the other side and see Paraguay. In fact, we had this argument on the way over about what qualifies being in a different country, like, you know, the bucket list, all the, all the list of countries. And I have this thing that, that if I go and I'm in an airport, even if I'm in that airport, I don't count it as being in that country, right? So when I was in Sao Paulo, I convinced the whole group to walk outside. So technically, I was outside the airport. So I could say, I've been to Sao Paulo. I kind of cheated. But I have a dear friend that travels quite a bit. And I was talking with him this summer. And I said, uh, I told him that, that I don't, I don't count it if I haven't been out of the airport. And he says, well, if I fly over the country, I count it. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I've been to Pakistan. How was it? Looked good from about 35,000 feet, right? Like, that's kind of lame. So, I have this urge. As I stand at Bra in Brazil, and literally, I probably couldn't throw a rock, but I can see Argentina, I could see Paraguay. And the question is, did I make it? Am I really there? In fact, no, <laughs> in fact, one of the students, while we were there, got a text message from Argentina saying, welcome to Argentina. You can use our cell tower. She's like, that should count. <laughs> then she got one from Paraguay and says, we've officially been accepted. We're across the border. But I looked and I looked across the border, not only here, but then we got to go to the falls. Let's go to the next picture. I actually took that picture. Yeah, not bad, huh? I'm looking from Brazil to Argentina. In the falls in Argentina. And to be so close, but not to cross over that border. 
In fact, the only reason we didn't was because to cross over in Argentina, even though it's close, and there's actually a sign. Uh, there's not too many places in the world where you can drive down a main street and, it, and there's a main sign. This is Argentina this way in downtown you know, Paraguay. There's a city and you go to Paraguay, you just go straight. Right? It gives directions. And the reason we didn't go to Argentina because it was kind of an all-day affair, getting the visa and going across and paying the money. It was like, oh, we, it's going to be difficult to cross. And Paraguay is a little bit easier, but we didn't, that really wasn't in our plans, and so we didn't really plan to go into Paraguay. But I so bad looked from Art Brazil and wanted to cross those borders into Argentina, into Paraguay. Our story this morning of Martha and Mary, it usually is read and can faithfully be read as a story of Martha, who is the busybody, versus Mary, who is the still one that sits at Jesus' feet. And while that's true, there's more to this story than just being busy or being still. This is actually a story about crossing borders. It's actually a story about crossing boundaries. See, Martha assumes this traditional role of women. Uh, not, a, not only so a traditional role that we might say is a traditional role, but especially in the first century. She's playing host to Jesus. She's making all the preparations. She's acting appropriately given her, con given her context. And she finds herself very upset with Mary because she's not acting appropriately. She's not helping out. But it's not that Mary is not helping out. That's probably not the only reason why Martha's upset with Mary. Mary is acting like a disciple. Disciples sit at the feet of the rabbi in order to become rabbis themselves. And only men sit as disciples in order to learn and become rabbis. And so Mary has crossed a boundary. She's crossed a border. She's not acting the way she's supposed to act. And Martha is a little concerned about that. So for us, it's not real hard for us to imagine a woman becoming a disciple. I mean, in the first century, it's really, really difficult. What Mary's doing is outright just, that doesn't happen. It's not hard for us to imagine that. I mean, I'm looking across this room at women, most of whom are more faithful disciples to Jesus than I am. That's not what har it's hard for us to imagine. But this story is about crossing a boundary and becoming a disciple. And so what I want to do is do a larger picture around this story today, and I hope that you'll stay with me. Because while it's not hard to imagine for Mary to become a disciple and cross that boundary, I want to ask you this question. What boundaries, what are the boundaries that make it difficult 
for you and I to become disciples. Because this story is about crossing borders and boundaries. So if you look at the larger context, you have to kind of go all the way back to chapter 9. So if you want to read with me, chapter 9, beginning at verse 51, says this. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent his messengers ahead of him who went into the Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and he rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. This is a turning point in Jesus' ministry. This is where it says he set his sights on Jerusalem. That's an important point because Jesus is on this journey, and the gospel writers do different things with that, but one of the things that most of the gospel writers do is that Jesus has this point where he turns towards Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem... That's always Jesus' destination. If you follow Jesus along the way, it's always Jerusalem. It's always Golgotha. It's always a cross. And so, as they journey, this is not just a journey that Jesus would make. But Jews make an annual journey to Jerusalem. Not many people in the first century traveled, but Jewish people traveled. And maybe while not all did this, many of them set out on this pilgrimage to go to Jerusalem, which was, depending on where you live, maybe a three, four, five-day walk. So Jesus sets on the way. And as Jewish people would go along the way to Jerusalem, they would usually recount stories. And as they traveled, usually the story they might recount was the Exodus story. And they talk about how they crossed the boundary or the border of the Red Sea. And they talk about all that God did. And they talked about how they've crossed over from a life under Pharaoh to life under God. And so I imagine Jesus is walking. And like Moses, leading his disciples across the boundary of the border, heading towards the temple, heading towards Jerusalem. But there seems to be at least one barrier, one border, one boundary that the disciples encounter. Because Jesus sends them out ahead of him, and they go into a Samaritan village. And one of the boundaries that they find along the way, one of the borders they find along the way, is that these Samaritans, they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus And particularly because he's going to Jerusalem. So the disciples come back to Jesus and they tell him this. Now remember, Brett preached last week on the transfiguration. And there was Moses, right, with Jesus. And there was Elijah. So if Moses is this figure, Jesus is this Moses figure leading the way, it's not hard for the disciples to now imagine themselves as maybe an Elijah figure. And so they have an answer for these Samaritans. Like Elijah, let's call down fire from heaven 
Because remember, Jewish people don't like really like the Samaritans anyway. They're kind of half Jewish, half Gentile, which may be worse than just being fully Gentile. We know how to handle this boundary. We know how to cross. Should we just send down fire from heaven? But what's surprising is that doesn't end up being the biggest boundary for them. In the story, they have a solution to the border they're experiencing to these Samaritans, and they want to call down fire. And the border or the boundary that they run up against is Jesus saying, that's not right. That's not the journey I'm on. That's not the way to Jerusalem. This is not the way of the kingdom. And these disciples have to be scratching their heads. Because Jesus says, you don't act like that. But then it's no coincidence that if you go on to chapter 10, there's another story about a Samaritan. Actually, one that Ryan read in the communion homily. And we both knew we were going to do this. And we said, it's good to repeat stuff. That's how you learn. So in chapter 10, verse 25, it says this. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to, te to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers and they stripped him of his clothes and they beat him and they went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to, to be going down that same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. He says, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Here's another border. It's attempting to be crossed. An expert of the law says, how do I get into eternal life, Jesus? How do I cross that border into eternal life? And he says, you know the law. How do you read it? He says, love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. 
But then he wanted to test him a little bit further and justify himself, it says. So he says, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the parable that we've heard, that we know. Guy gets robbed and left for dead. And a priest passes on one side, wants nothing to do with him. A Levite passes on the other, wants nothing to do with him. And then, and then, this Samaritan guy, the same kind of guy they wanted to strike down with fire from heaven, he comes and picks him up, bandages his wounds, gives him a lift, pays for his lodging, and says, whatever debts he has, I'll come and take care of it. And he says, which one of these three? Which one? Which one? The neighbor. And the man can't even bring himself, the expert can't even bring himself to say the word, the Samaritan. So here's what he says. He says, the one who had mercy. What defines a disciple is mercy. What it means to be a disciple is to cross over the boundary into a life defined by mercy. And so some of us today, first of all, need to receive mercy. Some of us need to cross over the boundary and receive the mercy that God has for us. Because some of us have been working and laboring hard to prepare your life, maybe like Martha. Trying to justify and get everything just right. So that when Jesus shows up, he's going to be impressed with you. And maybe what you need to do is just stop and come to the feet of Jesus and like Mary, receive his mercy. And while some of us need to receive his mercy, others of us, we need to be able to show it Because what marks you as a disciple is mercy. And so maybe many of you have been overly concerned like Martha. That you're like Martha and you've seen the Marys of the world cross over boundaries which you don't think should be crossed. to step over borders you don't think should be transgressed. And maybe you're like Martha and you're a little concerned about that. And you want the boundaries and the borders to remain the same. And you say, Jesus, aren't you concerned she's not doing what she's supposed to be doing? And Jesus says, only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better. 
she has chosen to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn the way of mercy. But stories about discipleship don't just end with this one. Because right after this story, there's another one in chapter 11, which Rick read earlier. It says this, one day when Jesus was preparing a certain, in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. And then Jesus said to them, suppose a friend, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey, has come to me, and I have no food for him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children have already in bed, and I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity to keep pestering him and asking him, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek. And, it'll be, and you'll find it. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who receives, who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. So which of you fathers in this room, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if you keep going on, it says, or if he asks for an egg, you'll give him a scorpion. If you, fathers in this room, if you know even though you're evil, and I'm evil, if you know how to good get, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give you good gifts, and he says, and give you his Holy Spirit when you ask him for it? The disciples asked Jesus how to pray, but this is not really a lesson on prayer. This is a story about God's mercy. Even your friend will give you a loaf of bread if you ask him. How much more will God give you if you ask, if you knock, if you seek? Even you fathers, who are in general are good fathers, but you're not like your heavenly father. If you know how to give good gifts, how much more will God give you? This is a story about God's mercy. And if you run up against that border, if you run against that boundary, and you see mercy on the other side, and you're not just sure how to get there, it says ask. And God will give you His spirit of mercy. Mary crossed the boundary. receive God's good gift of mercy. She has sat at the feet of Jesus, the one who is merciful, in order to learn the way of mercy. 
here's the question for you and I. Will you cross that border? Will you cross that boundary? Will you receive the mercy of God? And as a disciple, will you sit at the feet of Jesus and learn his way of mercy and offer that to every one of your neighbors? Will you cross the border today? Let's stand and sing.